I put my hey, hand hey, up on your hip. Hey, hey, hey. I felt your gun. Then when I dipped, you, <laughs> you dipped, dipped me there. <laughs> Live from the Kosher Studios in Woodridge, Illinois, this is Behind the Destruction, the Demolition Derby Podcast. And now, your hosts, Chris Newmer and Steve Kersky Jr. Welcome to Behind the Destruction. episode number 10 of Behind the Destruction for the week of August 19th, 2012. I'm Chris Newmer. With me, as always, 2011 national champion demo driver and a man who is rumored to be running neck and neck with Sasha Baron Cohen to play Freddie Mercury in the new Queen biopic, Steve Gursky Jr. Super. How are you? Oh, whatever. I'm sure you're fine. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Driven Restorations. The first step to driving your dream is contacting Driven Restorations at 608-609-5041 or finding them on Facebook. This year, Driven Restorations has won five straight best-in-class awards for their 1949 Chevy pickup work. Spots are becoming limited, so call soon for yours today. Steve? I think uh, you're well aware of this, but uh, I was recently in the Cayman Islands for 10 days down in the Caribbean, and uh, this was my first time outside of the United States in a country where people drive on the left side of the road. Yes, the the wrong side of the road. And I got to tell you, it was a trip. It, It is the first time in like probably since I was 16 and driving on the expressway for the first time, where I was genuinely nervous about climbing behind the wheel of a car. Have, have you ever driven on the left side of the road? Never. Well, technically, yes, but I mean... <laughs> not while you were supposed yeah, to. Yeah, not while I'm supposed to. I mean, uh, it's like you know, it's like driving in the um, streets that are one way and being all the way over on the left seems wrong you know yeah now to be in a country i don't think it's it's that so much as um how the controls for the car mm-hmm. being in the car and being you know instead of your right arm being free you know sitting on the center console no you know, it's no like your right door. arm's on the you're like what is this my right arm's on the windshield and it's like oh my god the the thing that's interesting about it you're right is that uh they actually had a couple of different versions of cars they did have some like left side drive cars. Now, I was not in one of those. I think that would have actually freaked me out even more in a weird way. Um, but yeah, everything oh, was yeah, moved over. Close, yeah, you're sitting on the left side and being right off the side of the road would be kind of, that'd yeah. be different. Yeah. It's either yeah. way. No. That's just strange. And it was, uh, it's sort of interesting that there is no uniform, there's no uniformity to the design of the interior of the car. Like, fortunately, the accelerator and brake pedal were the correct way, brake pedal on left, accelerator on right. Uh, But I'll tell you what, if I was driving an automatic, if I was driving a manual and I had to shift with my left hand, my head would have exploded. (laughs) Well, you were telling me you're having problems with the... Uh, turn signals and uh, windshield wipers. Windshield yes, wipers. because it's like you know it. They were the exact opposite, and so for like the first two two and a half days that I was driving, every time I wanted to make a turn, I would 
I would wash my windshield. And every time I wanted to wash my windshield, I started making a turn. It was very strange. I don't, I don't, I don't even think. I think if I was there and I had, had, to, had to go rent a car, I would have to probably rent a guy or someone to <laughs> yes. drive me around. I mean, it'd have to be a taxi, definitely. I don't think I could, could do it. Yeah. Steering wheel on the right, car on the left. And the thing that helped absolutely nothing, uh, you've never been to the Caymans, have you? Uh, the island itself is pretty small. I believe it's like about 27 miles from one end to the other, and that's long ways. And uh, that's the main island. Um, the island itself is almost nothing but turnabouts. It's just – and it's – if you could think of the worst possible situation to have everything flipped on its side – it's a turnabout because, you know, you're you're like, okay, look to the – oh, no, not look to the left, look to the right. Wait, now which lane am I going in? There's a guy to my right. Do I have to stay? Okay, I do have to do that. And it's like you're doing the math all the way. And uh, I had this thing where – and it sounds stupid, but I would literally do this. Every time I came to one, I would actually say out loud, stay to the left, stay to the left because that was it. I have a hard time with turnabouts just here, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, up by where I live, there just it's kind of a new thing in the last you know six seven years that they're putting them in and you know and in, in, in over in you know foreign countries or overseas i guess you could say that's that's a norm that's how they did it you know there's there wasn't intersections there's turnabouts you know yeah and now put yourself on the left left hand or the right hand side of the car with your you know left side of the road everything oh, is flipped yep and it was also weird because uh you know in the united states and canada the Basically, anywhere you would normally drive, um, left turns are the tough ones. It's like you got to wait for oncoming traffic to keep going. It's like you're right on red all the time. Uh uh-uh, uh, not in the Cayman Islands. I like, you know, you just sort of lapse into it and you're like, oh, okay, I'll just make a right on. Oh, God, no. Oh, Christ, I did not see that truck coming. But it's like left on red, that's the same thing. It's like, boom, go. That's fine because everything gets flipped. So I wonder why they did that now. So are we backwards and they're. No, no, well, it's it's the British. It's uh, Cayman Islands is a British protectorate. Now, okay. why the British drive on the left side of the road uh, or the wrong side of the road, I have no idea. But mm-hmm. that was they are a British protectorate, so that's the case. And it is just absolutely weird. And you know, it's funny. I told our uh, resident life expert uh, Sarah Stone about this. I said, you know, oh my God, everybody drives on the wrong side of the road. And she said, oh my God, that's nothing. I drive on the wrong side of the road all the time. And I said, wait, I, I should probably clarify I left side of the road. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like one of those uh, weird video games where you're so used to playing it a certain way and you're so, you're like, oh, well, this turn got to turn here. And it's like, you know, they flipped the, the course or something like that and you constantly end up in a wall. And that was the thing. And uh the only problem, like there was only two times, and they were both within the span of about a mile, where I ended up drifting in, onto the right side of the road, like what I was used to. And both, and the problem is that uh, the Cayman Islands also dotted white line means what a dotted yellow line means in America. Like I see the dotted yellow, I know okay, I can't just go back and forth. I see dotted white in America. I'm like, oh, okay, it's you know one way. Uh, uh-uh, uh, not in the Caymans, honey. No, that means that's dotted yellow. It's like oncoming traffic. And so I just drift over into the right lane. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm sort of zoning. There's no cars, and then all of a sudden I see this huge garbage truck pull out, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh wait, this is me. And uh, the thing is that the Cayman Islands they have two different colored license plates. They have one license plate color. Uh, for tourists, which is white, and they have one for uh, they have one yellow for 
residents. Uh. And it's kind of funny because the 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 locals will all be like, "Up, oh, goddamn tourists! You can see the white license plate. Look at them just drifting in, and yep. it's just that's and they it. Stay away. Yep. And so they know, and it's it's kind of helpful. But at the same, I. It's it's helpful while driving to know that the idiot tourists are probably going to be the ones screwing things up, and it's also good to know who has large quantities of travelers' checks in their glove compartments. Yes, yes. So, you could be the one that's held up now. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to follow you back to the uh, back to the Radisson and see what's going on. So, yeah, and it, as I was saying, the only two times I got screwed up were it was like out of a bad comedy movie because the first time was with a garbage truck and the second time was with this enormous semi, and it was just like. It, it was one of those things where they blasted the horn, and I'm trying frantically to get back on the left side of the road, and it's like, like thank God. And it was both happened, like as I said, in the span of about six blocks. But that was that was a very interesting experience down there. So I mean, but I mean, like when you're in the car, is everything in English in the car, or is it you know, are you going kilometers? You know, now that was system, another thing, stuff like that. I assumed that you know, hey, Europe. Uh, they, they used the aesthetic of Britain. Britain is going in by kilometers. I assumed that it was kilometers. No, miles per hour. Really? And it's like, Well, that's oh. probably because you had a tourist car, so. No, no, I'm saying the actual speed oh, limit. Oh, really? It says for, right. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't oh. say miles per hour, so for the first, uh, probably for the first two days I was driving down there, I was going very slowly and pissing off a lot of people because I thought it was 50 kilometers per hour, and it turned out to be 50 miles per hour. Um, because so, they don't actually say it's just a big 50. That's the speed limit is 50 and you don't know. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, fortunately the Cayman Island police force is not exactly a diligent group. The likes of which you will see on a CBS procedural. Uh, actually that's kind of funny. There was a time where I was taking photos and I wanted to get a little bit higher to get a different perspective. Um, and so they have a lot of like the off season in the Cayman Islands is in the summer. Because it's warm up in the States, why go down there? And so uh, there was a lot of, like, winter homes down there that are boarded up during the summer. And it's like, so I figured, I'm just going to climb up on that house to that balcony. I'll get a different perspective looking down on things. I'm going to be up there for seven minutes. No need to worry about trespassing or anything like that. So I'm up there, and during the, let's say, first three minutes I'm up there, I see a Cayman Island police car pull into the driveway of the house where I'm at. And I'm like, oh, God. Damn it. You know, it's like you never want to get caught doing something wrong by the police, but you sure as hell don't want to do it in a foreign, foreign country. Yep. And so the cops come out. I walk down. I'm like, listen, officers, I'm sorry. I don't live here. I was just up there. I was, you know, just taking some photos. And the cops are like, oh, no, we know. And they're like, we know you don't live here. I was like, oh, and they're like, we saw your camera. We thought it was a nice camera. So we wanted to come over and see what photos you were taking. And I was like, what do you what and so they wanted to actually see what they're like we know you must be like a photographer so we wanted to see the pretty pictures you're taking that was those were their words so they're like going through my camera just looking oh this is a nice one this is a nice one one of the guys is like do you have an email address if you could email one of these that would be great and i'm like oh, okay and then before well, they the, don't really have to worry about crime it's not like you're no. breaking in. you're gonna steal stuff and then what swim somewhere i mean you got 30 miles of road it's not like you're gonna go far no and it's funny too because that that actually comes into play with uh car theft i'll i'll touch back on that but um the the second of the police officers goes oh my god 
we should tell him about Bill's place. And the guy's like, yes. So they told me about this other much bigger house that was boarded up and told me that I would absolutely love climbing up on the balcony there. They said, this guy's up in Miami for the season. He won't be down. He won't care. Bill's a great guy. And they're like, they're trying to give me directions to the place. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't understand. So they ended up turning on their flashers and leading me to this other house so that I could climb up and go trespassing to take more pictures. I'm like, this is just backwards. Nope. But so that was my experience with the police. But uh, yeah, they had a number of things that I heard about where uh, cars would be stolen, and the police are like, "Yep, They're like you're not going to do anything." They're like, "They got to get gas somewhere, somewhere sooner or later." That's that's it, and that's where we go. And it's because there's like seven gas stations on the entire island, and it's like if there's a stolen car, they just look out the window, and there it is, and that's how they catch would be car thieves. So basically, it's not, it's not even stealing; it's like borrowing. Yeah. Sooner or I was just going to end up, eh, I'm done with it. Here you go. You can have it back. Yeah. Well, and I know you spent a while up in Alaska, and I know you were telling me about the fuel prices up there. But one of the things that I found that was, I mean, understandable, given that you're on a little chunk of coral rock in the middle of nowhere, is how expensive gas was. Like, mm-hmm. it was, and they did this thing. They did, Number one, it wasn't gallons. It was imperial gallons, which I had no idea what that meant. And they do Cayman dollars, not U.S. dollars. And it's like you're doing like several conversions in your head. And it basically breaks down to about – what did I figure out it was? It was like I got five gallons of gas and it was over 40 bucks. Hmm. Well, like over $8 a gallon. Yeah, but the imperial gallon is like actually 20% more than a regular gallon. And then the Cayman dollar is like – 25% 25% less than the, I mean, it's just, you have to do so many conversion rates, but it's serious. So it's like six, seven bucks for a gallon of gas and it actually costs more to gas your car up than to rent it. And it's like, that's crazy. Well, cause the guy who probably runs the rental place probably owns the gas stations too. It, so yeah, no wonder I was driving that Hummer. That, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah. So did you find that like when you were up in Alaska, that fuel prices there were crazy? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a, you know, quite a few years back, and that was, uh, yeah, seven fifty eight dollars a gallon, you know, because it came in on a barge, and they filled up big tanks right next to the one gas station that was there, you know, they had one pump for gas and one for diesel, mm-hmm. you know, that's the head. And, yeah, I mean, it was, it was expensive, because at the time here, I think it was only like two, just over two bucks a gallon. What year was that? Oh, heck, uh, hmm, 2005, maybe, 2004. Okay. I think 2006 was the big when fuel prices went up quite a bit. Yeah. Those things, though, it's like, you know, it lot like you and I, like to get there, it's like, you know, you get on an airplane or a couple airplanes and it's like, you know, you're sort of there. Maybe you take a train or a car to get there. It's like, okay, not that big of a deal. And then you get to the gas station. It's like, you know, the gas prices, you know, triple four times what you're used to. You're like, whoa, what the hell is this? And then you start thinking about it. You're like, yeah, I'm in the middle of nowhere on a rock. It has to come from somewhere, and it's not like they can they can do that Walmart thing where they order so much of it because there's not that much of a need there. It's right. like it's just and you're like, okay, I guess okay, I'm starting to understand. Yeah, their tanks are only so big, so yeah, I think it was like every month that barge would come in and fill them up. So I mean, it's not cheap to you know have tugboats push a barge up the coast from Seattle to you know Alaska to Alaska yeah. to the Gulf there, you know. Did you ever, like, I know there are a couple of times where uh, countries or sort of places way out in the wilderness end up, like, running out of gas? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's certain secluded places that, you know, you're, you'd 
hop in a you know a cargo plane and fly for two hours and you know it, the, there's a guy out there you know he's he's uh pretty much out there alone so like when you go out there you're always bringing him supplies and fuel so he has to because to run his generator and stuff so if he yeah. runs out he basically has no way to cook his food or uh, have lights and if you don't have lights there's not much to scare the bears away so hmm. you know yeah you have to plan accordingly i so. don't understand what brian erlacher would be doing up there but never mind well with he, no lights he's pretty scary i guess it, <laughs> yes bong <laughs> I I really like it's it's interesting to me how driving is different in so many different places and it's it's also interesting to me how quickly I adapt to these conditions that are so far from normal like you know you grew up like you grew up in Chicago I grew up in Chicago you know even though you live outside of a small town in Wisconsin it's not it's not like weird driving it's still like it's pretty sane and it's like even if even if rush hour is hectic or you know there's like some weird farm implement on the road or the amish are out there with a horse carriage or something Mm -hmm. like that it's like compared to the stuff that you see in these other countries or in these other wilderness things it's like oh we got it good well it's even i mean could you imagine uh going to new york and driving there or i don't know if you even call it driving you're basically idling around most of the time with you know the messenger guys on bikes you know and then you got uh, like mopeds stuff like that or you know that would be that would be a total different experience and it's even the same kind of driving and then you go to say a place like china where i think it's like 90 percent of the vehicles there are mopeds yeah and, and, the other 10 percent are like elephants and you're yeah. like what is going on so it's, it's the big trucks and then there's basically no traffic laws it's just if you can weave in and out and keep on going that's what you do yeah. You know, I mean, and it, you're talking, you know, mass quantities of people, you know, 50,000 people on a roadway that's basically, you know, six lanes wide and hey, good luck. Yeah. They might they might have six painted lanes, but there's like nine lanes of traffic and it's like you look at it from like a an aerial shot and it's just like, do, do these people know what's going on? And that's how they commute every day. Oh. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people walk to work. I think India is probably like I've never been. But from what I assume, it's like India – I think the the situation that would be the worst for driving is, for starters, tons of people. Like because nothing is bad if you just have like five people out there. Like if you're out in the middle of nowhere in China, I, I'm assuming it's fine. But you go to like a crowded city like India, the roads may or may not be paved. There may or may not be a sewer system. And you work in animals and like – pedestrians and bike traffic it's like that to me just spells super disaster yep yeah i mean i mean obviously we don't hear any major accidents or anything like that but that's their normal that's normal for them so i mean like you how you adapted they must have adapted to the same way of just hectic bouncing off each other you know do it any way you can getting your uh I don't think they have camels, but, you know. No, yeah, the water buffalo or elephants riding, or whatever. Yeah, riding your elephants, you know, while little mopeds are, you know. Zooming so, around. Zooming around. Yeah, I had a, like, I, I was down, I, I did not actually drive, but uh, I was in the back of a taxi a number of times in uh, Mexico, and uh, this was in, like, Guadalajara and Puerto Vallarta, and, it, like, actually in the city centers, and it's funny that the one uh, commonality of all the cars that I saw was that they were really shitty. Um, 
it, it was like people would have no problem like bumping into each other. And it, it's not like they were going very fast. You know, it's 10, 15 miles an hour. And it's just sort of maybe trading a little paint, dinging a bumper or something like that. Nobody thought anything of it. And it's like everybody's car was like, yeah, we know. I, I, I have no idea whether insurance is mandatory or optional. Given the fact that it's Mexico, I'm going to assume it's optional. But it was just – it was weird driving in the back of these cars and you're watching these things and it's like, oh, you're – oh, God, no. Oh, you did. Oh. And it's like, you know, you're you're sitting there. All of a sudden, you, somebody rear-ends you and the guy just like flips off the guy behind him and you keep going. It's like you don't need – no, I guess not. Okay. No, I don't even think you need lights and stuff on there. <clears throat> no, I actually – I was I was taking a taxi from where I was staying – to the airport, and I, I don't know if I was running late or something like that, but I told the guy, listen, you know, I'm, I'm running a little bit late. If you could take this, you know, if you could just go a little faster or take this way as opposed to the scenic route, you know, that'd be appreciated. Well, the guy really took the message to heart because what he would end up doing is at every single intersection, he would zoom up to the left-hand turn lane. Uh, he'd get to be like the first car in the left-hand turn lane. The left turn signal would come up, and he'd just go through the light straight. And he would, he did this at like seven intersections in a row, and like people would be trying to turn left, and he's cutting straight. And I, I'm like, you know, I did ask him to go fast, but at the same time, I swear I'm worried we're going to get nailed. We didn't, and he got me there super fast. But it's like, okay, I wish traffic laws were this easy to break. When I'm telling the New York cabbies to, hey, maybe you could drive a little faster. No, no, they want you to sit in the car. Yeah. Oh, it's get that a, meter running. Yeah, such a lovely, lovely experience. But the quality, I think the quality of roads too, like you had some, some of the roads that you've talked about in Alaska were just insane. Yeah. You get a lot. Well, I mean, you have no road crew. I mean, where I was, you couldn't get any roads into it because, you know, it, where, now where were you in Alaska? It was basically, I was in the Gulf of Alaska. So, you know, you come off, obviously you come off the ocean, it's kind of flat and then you have, it starts climbing in altitude, you know, mm-hmm. you have little mountains. They figured, you know, it's about. million per mile to make road. So obviously the state doesn't have that much money to make a road, you know, and that's fine because it works for them. But I mean, I've driven in um, Minnesota, you know, to go pick up cars or something like that. And you're driving there, you know, and you can be on a state highway that I'm not even kidding you is dirt. You get down in Southern Minnesota and you're down there and it's a dirt road. You think you've, pulled into someone's driveway you know you're mm-hmm. hauling you got the truck and trailer and this is like a one-lane dirt road and then you come out onto a four-lane highway it is actually a, a, the state highway is had turned into dirt road you know same thing with like texas yeah. you're on a dirt road you think you're in the middle of nowhere and you're right off you know right by a, a bigger town you know yeah, it's like oh wait this is i-40 okay yeah oh, you know oh. i made a wrong turn you know you know and then you know like Wisconsin, everyone's like, oh, that, you know, that's the boonies, you know, and it's like, well, at least we have paved roads. Yeah. I think the opposite of that, there's a uh, highway in North Carolina. Uh, It might be, it's like North Carolina 94, I think, and it's near the coast. And I, I found out about it while I was lost trying to get around some hurricane stuff last year. Now, when I tell you that there is not a town for 40 miles, I'm not exaggerating. Literally, this is a highway. There's no turnoffs. There's maybe like one road in the middle of it. It's basically 40 miles of a straight line. And at one point in time, there it goes over a river. And there's probably a mile-long paved bridge, just beautiful, gorgeous bridge. And I'm like, this is what the people get pissed off about when they hear about like the 
the bridges to nowhere and stuff like this. There's no there's no town of even 200 people within 40 miles of this. There's this gorgeous – it's not just like a little bridge. I mean this thing is a mile-long bridge up in the air, a solid you know, three stories. And uh, the only – I passed three cars for the entirety of the, of the highway. I think it was like 40 miles or something like that. Uh, and two of them were golf carts driven by like 10-year-old kids. And it was like that was it. When I got to the top of the, uh, like I was driving along the the you know mile long bridge or whatever, and I was like, man, it's there's some really nice views from up here. And then it dawned on me, hey, you can just stop your car and get out, and that's what I did. I'm on the top of this bridge. I just stopped my car. It's not like I even left it running. I just turned the key off, put it in park, not in that order. I got out and started taking pictures. I was there for five ten minutes. Got back in my car. Not a car in sight. And I'm like. I don't know who got this here. I don't know how much it costs because it was over swamp too. I'm like, but this is crazy. Yeah, see, that's like uh, that's like Wyoming. Go drive uh, like Owl Canyon stuff like that. I mean, you're talking. Yeah, I mean, you can go 40, 50 miles. There's no town. I mean, you may see a house that kind of looks like a, a hunting shack. You know. Yeah. And I actually was driving through there and had car trouble, and a guy stops in this old beat up truck you know he stops and he's as having fuel problems so he had electric fuel pump he had like all these supplies in the back of his truck you know and i was i went to school out there this is like 99 2000 you know mm-hmm. and you know car fails you know we went through the mountain pass and we come down and and it was uh it was almost like a trading post yeah place, you know and um coming back car fails and we're there we're probably there for half an hour and i'm messing around i can't get it to go and i'll figure out the fuel pump's bad this guy stops and he's got all these supplies. He's got like three extra tires and, and you know, like it's like a suburban and where the back seat is, it's gone and there's tires stacked in there, yeah. you know. And he's like, you know, what's the problem? I think the fuel pump's bad. I got an electric fuel pump. He had two of them. He gave it to me. And then he, after we get it running and stuff, he says, he says, keep her going, get her back. He goes, you get, you, you stop on this road. And once you get up the mountains, he goes, you're done. He says, you're lucky that I come through here. Seriously. I mean, we went and drove around for about six hours. We that he was the only guy we seen through that pass. Yeah, know? that that's one of those things where you just sort of you, you just look at the uh, you know the sky and go, thank you. Yeah, pretty much, and that's what it was. It uh, I asked the guy, I said, "What do I owe you?" And he goes, "Well, if you ever see me broke down, help me out." Fair enough. You're like, I will, but you know, I don't drive around with like three electric fuel pumps <laughs> and uh, extra tires. Actually, that's how I got here in the first place. Yeah. So. Yeah, those are uh, like they have. I I've been investigating taking a trip up, uh, sort of to the northernmost, driving up to like some of the northern points of Canada. Uh, two things are interesting about this. Number one, um, not only is ninety percent of Canada's population within like a hundred miles of the U.S. Canada border, but that you can't go very far north. Like Canada, the country extends probably. 2,000, 3,000 miles. I mean, something crazy. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's multiple thousands of miles north. But you can only drive up like, eh, you know, 150, 200 miles, something like that. It's yep. not long at all. The rest of them is like the, the bush plane or whatever. Yeah, you until, take up. until you get over in the Rockies or something like that. And then you can sort of sort of go up there. And uh, they always like you, you start seeing this and they have different tour 
things and driving ideas. And it's like, oh, you want a crazy drive? You you know, you can take this road up in Canada. And it's like they have a, like a checklist of what you're supposed to bring. Basically, you're supposed to tow a second car. It's like in case something goes wrong with the first one. And right. that second car is supposed to be towing something else. And it's like, you know, you, you got to make sure you have like, like you need to bring kerosene for a generator to start a fire and keep you warm. I'm like, maybe it's just best I not go. Right. It's, it's the same thing. Uh, I went to school in Laramie, Wyoming. And you go through the mountain pass on Interstate 80, and you get through that, and you come into Loveland, Colorado. Both mm-hmm. beautiful places. But what it is is, you know, they, when we're at school, you know, the school tells you guys, you know, okay, if you guys are going into well, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, if you go in there because there's, you know, restaurants, stuff like that, yeah, um, always bring extra clothes. How far away is that from uh, um, I want to say it was an hour and a half drive, I think. Okay. Um, and it's basically... I mean, you, the altitude you climb while you're going through, it's insane. Yeah, you have to... Uh-huh. Well, you leave Laramie, okay, and you're in shorts and a t-shirt, you can get up in there, you can stop up at the mountain pass and have a snowball fight, okay? Yeah. And then you go back down the Colorado. So they tell us, you know, when you go through there, um, do not, if the gate's closed for the highway, don't go around it, and always bring warm clothes with you. So if you have car trouble and you're going to be up there a while, you know, we're all dressed for summer. That's mm-hmm. what it is, it's summer. Up there, it's not. So, you know, and sure enough, it's, you know, you go through there when it's snowing and they close that gate, they will not come and get you. No. You stay there. So it's like, oh, bring this kit and make sure you have candles and flares. And it's just, hey, man, we're just cruising through there. Yeah. But, you know, you hit such high altitude, you could be in Fort Collins, want to go home. You can't. Yeah. You're stuck. And it seems like that's one of those not rare situations, but it's one of the very few situations where it's like you should actually heed the government official warning. It's like, you know, if you're like I last year after uh, Hurricane Irene came in and hit the East Coast, I was down there driving around looking at some of the damage. And it's like, you know, they'd have roadblocks up and I just drive right by them. And it's like this is basically the roadblocks are my cue to say, hey, you know what? This is where the interesting stuff is. Come here. It's like that was it. It's, you know, wherever wherever all the fire trucks are going, that's where I want to be. And it's like, you know, the worst thing that happens is you look up on the road and you see the roads completely submerged and you go, okay, I'm not driving through that. Let's back up. That's about the worst thing that happens. It's like the thing with this, the gate's closed. What's the worst? Oh, you die in your car because it's 20 below zero. And you're like, I did not. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. It was 95 degrees when I left my, my school. Yeah, and, the, and the, the worst part of it is it's actually it's not the, the cold that will get you. It's the humongous snowplow that chews up your car. <laughs> so because it'll snow enough. It'll snow two feet, three feet, four feet. You know, I mean, when you're driving in the road on the roads, when it's winter time, you're talking 15 foot tall um, snow, and they have poles that mark the edge of the road. So when the big snow plows come through, actually the snow blowers come through, they know where the edge of the road is. Yeah, and you don't realize it until you know you really pay attention that hey, that's how deep the snow was, you know, or is. But they plowed the roads. So I mean, if you if you get snowed in, they can't see you. You know, they'll come up and it's basically a huge snowblower. Like, you, you know, basically what someone would use at their house, but it's huge. Yeah. It just chews up the car. So, and usually you're in it. Yeah. That, that, uh, I think that's going to go down on uh, my list of ways not to die. Yeah. That and, um, burning. Burning would be bad. Yeah. That. What's the line from Naked Gun? Having your nuts bit off by a Laplander? That's the way I want to go. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I'll tell you this, and, um, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything like this, but I have a very specific driving fear 
um, that it's it's and and the reason it's a fear is because it actually seems realistic to me. Um, you know, I'm in LA a couple times a year uh, out there, either doing photo shoots or interviewing actors, whatever, for the day job. And one of the major differences between the L.A. streets and the Chicago streets outside of traffic is, uh, well, number one, motorcycles can drive on the lane lines. So it's like I don't – in Chicago, uh, you know, New York, points where I actually drive a fair amount, motorcycles cannot cut the lanes. In L.A., they can. And so I don't even think twice. Like I don't look if – if I'm changing lanes, I don't even think to look for like a vehicle that's going 107 miles an hour in between lanes because that's not something I'm used to. And they go zooming through. I'm like, I am, I am afraid that I'm going to clip one of these. But the real fear is uh, they have these crosswalks for pedestrians in the middle of blocks. There's no stoplight. There's no stop sign. There's no flashing light. It's just a crosswalk right in the middle of the road. You're going along like um, the way LA is. The way LA is based is that there's essentially it's a, a city that's halved in two by a mountain range. Everything north of the mountain range is what they call the valley, and everything south of the mountain range is sort of where all the studios are, Hollywood is, all of that. And there's a big road called Ventura Boulevard. It's the first boulevard, first road that's north of the mountains in the valley. It's like you have to hit that and then you're in the valley. And they have a lot of these crosswalks that are just in the middle of blocks. Like there'll be like a five or six block long straight. Like that's it. It's like long. It's it's And there's no streets turning in. You're doing 40, 45 miles an hour and pedestrians just walk out there in the crosswalk. And I slam on my brakes because I am so afraid. There's nothing. There's no reason for any person to stop. And it's like I am so afraid I'm going to kill one of these people. Well. That's so that's your fear while driving, huh? Yeah. Running well, at least on Ventura Boulevard, and that's going to be the thing. And I swear to you, if I hit somebody, I'm going to feel like shit, and I'm going to be like, you know. But I did say on my podcast like three years ago that this was what I was afraid was going to happen because who the hell expects a person just to walk out? And you know, the like you can see sort of uh, L.A. pedestrians are very uh, they feel they feel very confident about themselves, and it's sort of like. It's well, they, they I'm walking the drivers. Bro. I'm walking. Ac- there's a crosswalk, so I'm going to walk across the street. Me as a uh, as a Chicagoan, I'm not doing that. I'm not just like going out in the middle of Lakeshore Drive and assuming everybody's coming to a full and complete stop because I want to cross the road. Yeah. Not except in LA, that, except for that girl that's texting and then just mows you over. Yeah, yeah. See, my, for me, the my fear is driving over long bridges, especially if they're over water. Hmm. Especially. Okay. So like I have, you know, especially flying in a plane over water. For some reason I feel like if I'm in a plane that crashes on land, I might be able to live. Yep. But I can't swim very well. So I don't want to float in the ocean on a you know, seat that someone's been ripping ass on, you know, for three years. But So if you're in a car on a long bridge over water, it's like if this bridge goes, that's it, I'm done. Yep. You know, I think there's a point there's a bridge uh, by Lockport that goes across Lockport, Illinois. Yeah. That's really long. And I remember as a kid not liking it. And the Mackinac Bridge that connects the UP up to uh, um, Michigan there, mm-hmm. same thing. So That's Chesa- five miles long. So so the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, uh, mm-hmm. that's not good for you either? No. Huh. There's something about it. When I'm driving, it's it's actually bad because you feel yourself almost freezing up while you're, <laughs> while you're driving. It was ever since the earthquake in um California, I know there's not like tons of earthquakes around here, but 
seeing the people squished underneath all the concrete and stuff like that yeah. on that double decker bridge oh know. that's that's also something else that i do i do wonder about like in la is that they have these they have these bridges like they have a lot of highways obviously and there's a lot of exit ramps and entrance ramps and they sort of spiral up and there's things where like three highways meet in some weird intersection and the way that the uh the way that the los angeles city has gotten around this the city planners is they built up so the top highway, the top entrance ramp could seriously be six or seven stories off the ground, maybe more. I mean, it's there's nothing like it that I have encountered on the East Coast. They are high. And it's, of course, the East Coast has no earthquakes, and L.A. is renowned for its earthquakes. Right. And so whenever you hear about, like, big earthquakes, I think it was like – uh, whenever the last Los Angeles earthquake was, whether it was 94 or whatever, it's like – and you heard about highways being closed. It's because these stupid on and off ramps would fall down and the cars like – you know, so you're three stories off the ground. You got like three layers of concrete falling on top of you from above and you're falling down. And it's like, oh, that's the worst of well, all Well, yeah, you've you seen the, the videos of that where people are driving. They show a car. This guy's trying to wave this car to stop. He's just driving and there's no highway. Yeah. And boop, he's gone. Yeah, texting. Yep. Yeah. Oh. No, no, I don't think that. No, at that time. But no, I mean, over in Minnesota, a bridge that I've crossed many times across Mississippi. Oh yeah. That bridge fell down. Um, actually, when they were doing construction on it, I drove over that. I don't know, like it was about a week and a half before it happened. Yeah. And it's it was, what was kind of funny was the fact I said to my wife, you know, it seems like a lot of weight on this bridge because they're resurfacing it and they had all their equipment all on one lane that was closed. Mm-hmm. Big trucks, water trucks, you know, all this stuff. And it was like, huh, you know, sure enough, you know, it, it fell. I mean, you're talking bridges that have been up for 30 years, Damn. you know, you know, stuff like that, you know, and they can't handle the weight. And so it's a, that's a fear, you know, a little bit of fear, car so plunging into water. How do you, have you ever been in any of the, have you ever gone under a mountain or even I would say worse yet, like gone on one of those uh, bridges that goes underneath the water, like underneath a river or underneath oh, like a bay? A tunnel? Yeah. No, never done that, but I've gone through, you know, mountain tunnels, stuff like that, so, and I've driven through a tree before, so, hmm. out in California, so, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that don't bother me, because it's kind of, it's it's not technically man-made, that mountain's there, that yeah. tree's been there. The tunnel, though? The tunnel, if I, I don't know, if going underwater, I don't know, uh. I don't think I'd like that very much. Yeah. I'll tell you, the only, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but it's like every once in a while this will happen, like in the Lincoln Tunnel that connects New Jersey to New York City, is, you know, you're driving and you, you have to go down pretty far. And it's like all of a sudden you're, you're driving through and then like there's an enormous water droplet that just like one that hits your windshield and you're like, uh, you know, you start looking up at the ceiling and you're like, uh, is there something I should know about? And it's like, let's, let's keep going. Yeah. And two days earlier you watched the movie Daybreak. Yeah. Yes, with it's Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. And yeah. you just realize you didn't have any C4 with you to blow, you know, create a suck. Nor do I have Amy Brenneman with me, which is not as much of an issue as not having Jennifer Lopez with me at no. all times. But it is nonetheless. Well, still if I had an to issue. pick, Jennifer Lopez would definitely be with me because her butt would be really buoyant. So mm-hmm. when you did get in the water, you could just ride her ass up to the surface. Yeah. Awesome. Just, well, that would be good because it's a bubble butt. And you'd be motorboating, yeah. But that's a much different. That's a much different subject. Get to the top. Yeah. That, have you have you ever raced or or witnessed racing in any other parts of the country? You know, whether it's New York, L.A., the South. No. 
is it is it still the same type of thing? Like not on a NASCAR level, but on a regional level, is it still the same type of aesthetic, or do you notice that the styles of driving are different in different parts of the country? No, you just notice that like down, you know, if you go to like the Carolinas or something, people racing is everyone's into it. Everybody, you know, you know, little girls all the way up to old ladies, you know, grandmas loved racing. I mean. You could, you know, an amateur night at, a, like, a NASCAR track and pack the stands, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you have NASCAR come to, like, Chicago, and it's, you know, three-quarters full. Yeah. You know, you get down there. It's kind of like football is in Texas. That's how it racing is, like, down, you know, uh, like, Nashville, or Nashville uh, Tennessee, well, North South Carolina, stuff like that. Racing. What is the actual style no, of it, driving? I mean, it's, you know, it's all the same, I guess. You know, it's not like it's more aggressive or... You know, I'd say there's probably a lot more skill, I guess, down there. It's mm-hmm. almost like talent. It's you know. So if you're recruiting, if if you're a head, uh, if you're a head driving coach, you go to the uh, southeast to pick up the players, much like football coaches go to Texas or Florida. Right, because it's basically been bred into them mm-hmm. to. to you know, well, you can race. also do it in the winter because it's dry or warmer. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a reason the hockey players come from Canada and the football players come from Texas. Yep. All right, well, Steve, that wraps up another episode here. Um, We will be back next week for more. Sweet. Looking forward to it. For Chris Numer and Steve Gersky Jr., go Gersky, go home, or go home with Gersky. I'm John Sensimer. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and thank you for listening. Behind the Destruction would like to thank our producer, Maura Scher, and Kosher Studios, located in Woodridge, Illinois. Visit them on the web at koshersounds.com. For previous episodes of Behind the Destruction, the latest Demolition Derby news, and columns, you may visit us at behindthedestruction.com.